everyone, welcome to Bunker Mania Wrestling. I am Jeremy Graves, and joining me is a good buddy of mine who is making his debut on the podcast. And yes, in case you're wondering, we are sitting in the back of a car. This is just how life works. It is a good buddy of mine who has been a wrestling fan for a very long time, like myself. We have been to many shows together, for better or worse. I'll let him decide that. It is my good friend, Tom Linbury. How you doing, buddy? Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Tom. Hi. So, let's do a quick little icebreaker. Tell us, say, five things about your wrestling fandom that people should probably know for the context of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I've been a fan for 32 years. My first live show was WWF at the Albert Hall in 1995. I've been to WXW in Germany 25 times. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I don't know it was that many. <laughs> uh, I used to sleep on the floor at Stansted, fly over, go to the show, and then fly back and sleep on the floor. Uh, I go to as much wrestling as I uh, can get to. I used to do about 50 or 60 shows a year. Now it's probably more like 20, but yeah. Life. <laughs> yeah, life happens. Exactly. So when it comes to AEW, what's your thoughts overall on AEW, just in general? I think it's a great alternative to WWE. Um it's not the same stuff as you see on WWE. Um, and I think there's a great mixture of stuff that goes on. Like, you've got different aspects of, like, heavyweights, cruiserweights, the women's division, hopefully a women's tag team soon for the people that love the, the women's wrestling. And it's and it's not forced down your throat. You can just sit there and watch it quite easily. And if there's something you don't like... You know, it's easier to just skip past. Whereas with WWF, you have to just watch it, everything to get to the end, if you see what I mean. Mm. Whereas AEW, I find it much more easy to take in. Yeah, and would you say at this point, you're far more of an AEW fan than WWE? Uh, Most likely. I mean, I haven't watched WWE in probably seven years. Okay, fair. And also worth mentioning for... Oh, go on. Well, actually, I, I did go to WrestleMania in New York, but sold my ticket. Uh, we may get to that story at some point in the future because that involves both of us. <laughs> so <laughs> that involves me being very lazy. There you go. But um, but that that being said, though, when it comes to your AEW fandom, you have actually travelled to America to go oh, yeah, to a bunch point. of shows. So, in terms of saying how much of an AEW fan are you, you are genuinely a big AEW fan. Uh, when they opened the border back up after the pandemic, I flew over to. Chicago for the first Thanksgiving show they did there in 2021, mm. which was interesting. And I mean, it was in a little, you know, it was in Chicago, so you can't really go wrong if you go to a show in Chicago. The fans are absolutely nuts from start to finish. Is that a genuine thing? Little sidebar, but like, are they genuinely nuts? Well, yes. in your opinion, okay. yeah, definitely. And I mean, if, if, if you've got guys there that are from Chicago or in and around that area, they absolutely love it. Mm. Uh, because when the, the next time I went over, which was last June, June 2022... For Forbidden Door, right? For Forbidden Door. Uh, I did, like, the Dynamite before in Milwaukee, and uh, it was fantastic. But, you know, it it was a really great show, and it led up really well to Forbidden Door in Chicago. Mm. Again, the fans were nuts from start to finish, and that was a really long show, and it was really hot outside. And a lot of people that went to that show had been to the afternoon show as well, across the way, which was Warrior Wrestling. Oh, the independent promotion yep. I'm with, yeah. Yep. And then I went to Detroit after uh, Forbidden Door for Blood and Guts, and 
that was a fantastic show. So, I mean, you couldn't really go wrong with a trio of shows like that. And, and since then, you were at Revolution earlier this year as well, weren't you? Oh, yeah, good point. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, so we've got some fun stories about that as well, which we may tell at some point. So, so like I say, when it comes to talking about AEW, there's a good combination here, because Tom's been to loads of shows for AEW, but also watches it regularly like myself. And the idea is that hopefully weekly, there will be some form of content, be it audio only or audio and video. So make sure you're subscribed to all the relevant Bunker Mania channels on YouTube or on podcast services so you can get the updates as they come to you. But the idea is that we're just going to talk some AEW stuff. It may be just touching on the big notes from Dynamite. It may be talking about All In that's coming up at Wembley Stadium because we will both be going to that, as will Ian, obviously, as well. So, yeah, I guess when it comes to Dynamite this week... The big news is the main event steel cage match. It was Moxley versus Omega. It was violent as hell, to say the least. It was, in some ways, ridiculously violent, but in a way where it's like, yeah, that makes sense at this point between them. I don't know. I think watching that and having been at the Moxley uh, Adam Page match for Revolution, I think that was more brutal. But adding the cage aspect to this one, made it seem like it was over the top. Mm. Um, but it definitely was brutal. And I mean, glass is pretty dangerous, to be fair, in it in any yeah. aspect of life. Yeah. So, I mean, introducing that was in that was cool. I mean, there was the glass, but also there was the, the barbed wire chair and the fact that Omega did a double foot stomp to Moxley's back and basically, like, scraped it across his back. Yeah, I mean... I pretty early think, on. I don't <laughs> see how you can be safe with that in any way, shape or form. That was just dangerous. Like, he could have really done some damage, but, you know... He's, he's done it before. He does it in GCW all the time or when he used to mm. wrestle for GCW on the regular occasion. So, yeah. And, of course, also talking about Dangerous, there was the part where the actual side of the cage gave way when Omega and Moxley went through it and it looked like Omega, in theory, should have ripped himself in half. Because I don't physically know how he didn't get cut in half and also just not lose his leg. I would imagine adrenaline kicked in there at some point. But it looked <laughs> very dangerous. Was... But at the same time, that's the same place where they had blood and guts last year. Was it? I had not put two and two and together on that. It was uh, The crowd was definitely there for it. And I think that main event in that city, in that arena, was definitely the way they should have gone. Because that crowd reacted really well. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, Detroit is very lucky. Aren't they just? Aren't they just? But the, the the big news though came at the end of the match. Omega had the win. He hit the one-winged angel, went for the pin. But just before that, Don Callis had got involved and took a screwdriver away from Moxley, what he was going to stab Omega with, as he is one to do at this point. And then Callis had it, and it was one, two, and just before the three, he stabs Omega in the head with it. Now, when I first saw that, I was like, it looks like he stabbed him in the throat because of the camera angle. Mm. It looked like he leant across and just stabbed him in the throat. And I was like, oh my days. But like, it, it went over very well. Like the crowd ate it up. It's like something from the Attitude Era. It was, it was brilliant. It was really good. And it's fun because, not to say that you know, we're prognosticators here, but it's something that, as in we predict in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We'd actually had this conversation about what's Callus's game a couple of months ago. I've literally got the WhatsApp conversations to prove it, should anyone doubt us. But it was like around mid to late March when uh, Takeshita was first aligned with Callus. 
and there was that whole talk about the PWG stuff and are they going to do anything with it as well before that. But when Takeshita first came into the picture with Callus, there's that thing of something's going to give here. Yes. And what's it going to be? And my first thought was mm. there was a backstage bit involving when the Bucks got attacked and when Kenny was really concerned and ultimately I think it was Hangman Page went to the hospital with the Bucks. Mm-hmm. But who did I make have a match with? Was it Jeff Cobb? He had a big singles match against someone. Yes, it was Jeff Cobb. Yeah. And he came out to his New Japan thing, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And there was that thing, but the way Callus responded to Omega being concerned about the Bucks. It was a very dismissive, why do you care about them? You're the god of pro wrestling. Go and do your thing. Like, just worry about that. And that was kind of the first sign for me of, hmm, okay. That's, that's an, not, Don Callis obviously only cares, well, cared in past terms now about Omega, but it was never in a dismissive way towards anyone else like that. It was very much, Omega is the best, but yeah, Th- this kid's a good talent kind of thing. I, I wonder, going forward, whether he takes uh, Takeshita to the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. Mm. That would be interesting going forward. Because yeah. I don't think they're going to make Don Callis have a match at this point. I mean, he, I think he must be about 50-something. Yeah. And he's not really a trained wrestler to start. Well, a little bit, but... Yeah. So I guess... A bit... So I guess let's focus on Don Callis then. Kind of as like perhaps a main talking point for, for, the, for what we're recording now. Because... What's the what's the angle or the reason that you can think of that he decided this? Because when we lead up to what occurred, there was obviously the backstage segment where he got attacked and got legitimately busted open in his head, and you can see the scar from it. Yeah, which was mentioned on commentary. Exactly. So there's that element to it. There's the whole perhaps Omega not being totally focused because he was the world champion, but then went away for ages, obviously to heal up and whatnot. But then he goes and becomes a trios wrestler in essence, and perhaps Don Callis wanted a better direction with it. There's the whole Takeshita element. There's the beat the BCC, the Blackpool Combat Club, just running roughshod over AEW. And quite frankly, it's freaking great. But there's a lot of elements where you could argue maybe a reason Callis has turned on him is because either he wants to try and spark Omega back into being the guy that he was, or simply put, just from a business perspective, he's like, I'll make more money with them if I go with them. But did that come across as like Don Callis was joining the Blackpool Combat Club? That's the question. Because, I mean, it comes across that Dragon didn't know about it, Mm. Brian Danielson, but like, I don't know. I don't think he really fits their thing. Mm. And I think that leads him to like bring someone else in to face Omega going forward, mm. but I don't quite know where they go with that, but I'm sure, you know, as the weeks and months go along, we'll find out. Yeah, because other potential angles, <clears throat> excuse me, could be, is he going to properly align himself with Brian Danielson? Because another way to think of it is, we've only had the one match with Omega and Danielson, which was the 30-minute draw that the, is very true. At that uh, Dynamite Grand Slam show. Yes. I mean, that does need to happen. Mm. And I think now that they're both healed, or as healed as both of them are going to be, mm. I think we do need another match. And I think that would be a good thing for Forbidden Door, perhaps Double or Nothing. Oh, I can see Double or Nothing being sort of a gang warfare type arena match or something. Yeah, another kind of anarchy in the arena type deal, perhaps. I mean, you've got to think Adam Page is coming back at some point. Yeah, I think he just got announced for a house show. Yeah, he's on a house show this evening in, in Oh, so wow, just in Virginia. That's very fair. Okay, you know what? Fair, fair reason for that, I suppose. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different directions they could go with this. But to, again, to focus on the callous thing, 
Well, actually, no, okay, let's start with this question. Hypothetically, if Callus is aligned with the Blackpool Combat Club, is he going to be the primary mouthpiece? Because I think Danielson's done a pretty damn good job in recent weeks. I think between Danielson and Moxley, they've got enough there, as in mouthpiece, mm. to be going forward. So it's going to be like, if they are going to use him with them, perhaps bring someone in that he can then manage within the group. Mm. But I don't know. I, I think they're all right for talkers going forward. Mm. But at the same time, it'd be an interesting aspect and something we haven't seen before because Callus for the last 10 years has been with Kenny Omega, mm. New Japan, AEW, e- everywhere, everywhere <laughs> Impact. So... And I mean, uh, yeah, he could bring someone in for the Blackpool Combat Club or just to manage someone on their own. Mm. What about Takeshita? Oh, he's a fantastic talent. Freaking amazing. But And he's only 26. Damn, he is really young, isn't he? He's been going for 10 years. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing, because he was trained... Was he trained by Kabashi or was he acknowledged by Kabashi? I'm trying to remember. He's definitely... Uh, Acknowledged and and Junakiyama as well. Yeah, that makes more sense because that's where he got the his finisher from, isn't it? Yeah, because he's originally from DDT as well. Yeah. So yeah, that makes more sense. But in terms of Takeshita's allegiance, they've been playing up the fact he was kind of maybe being brought into the the elite. Excuse me, and let's call it like it is. Basically, as we haven't got Ibushi, here is our new guy to perhaps fill that void of being Ibushi. That said. I would freaking love it if both Takeshita and Ibushi were going to be in there. But does Takeshita stay with the Elite? Or does he go with Callus to the Blackpool Combat Club? I think there's option three. Okay. Where he just is on his own. And Callus tries to just play him as best he can into the Combat Club. And mm. then he ultimately just breaks off on his own. I don't think he really needs to be in a group. I mean, I think if he goes into too big a group, he gets lost in the shuffle, and we don't see the like potential that he actually has. Mm. Whereas if he sort of stays on his own or loosely affiliated, I think that's going to be better for him going forward. So, again, that's only my opinion. But at the same time, I think Don Callis is going to play a role for the next six months to a year yeah. in his life. Yeah, but I suppose, having just thought about it, Takeshita was attacked by the BCC with a screwdriver a few weeks ago. This is true. So, <laughs> with that being said, I may have just un- just unworked my own argument there. Or thinking. Well, I don't know. I mean, they attacked Don Callis, and now he's done this. Yeah. So then where, you know, where does that sort of fit in the puzzle? Mm. Or what if... Here's an idea. We go on the basis that Callis is not gonna go with the Blackpool Combat Club. He just did it because he want he's got another thing in mind. He's fed up with Omega. What if it's now he is gonna make Takeshita his new Omega? I think that's where that's going. Mm. And I mean I think Takeshita needs a bit more seasoning a bit more mm. before he goes into a full on thing with Kenny. But like mm. at the same time it's not a bad shout. I mean Kenny's not getting any younger, and to make the next Kenny, you need to sort of start somewhere. Mm. And I think, you know, Takeshita is probably that. And another thing as well is, thinking about it from a character point of view of Don Callis, he's someone who's very... He believes his own hype that he creates. 
And given that he could say he found Takeshita, he started giving him guidance, started building him up, gave him certain opportunities, like when they were at the Winnipeg airport and he got met with a bunch of flowers and a drummer, which is just freaking fantastic. But there's that element where, from a character point of view and a reason behind it, I can fully, just fully realise Callus going, no, Takeshita is the new man. He will be the next god of pro wrestling or whatever it is. No, I can definitely see that. I mean, he's a fantastic wrestler and some of the matches mm. he's had so far I mean he hasn't always been on the winning end of said matches but at the same time he, he comes across as an absolute star 100% and he's, I don't think he's even into his full stride even though he has been going for 10 plus years mm. so the more the more he gets seasoned the more he matches he gets in going forward he then becomes the next guy mm. I think for AEW going forward completely agree so, elsewhere on Dynamite, then, there are many things that occurred. There was an international title match with Orange Cassidy retaining against Daniel Garcia. You could argue Daniel Garcia being the reason that he... Well, quite frankly, he could have got the job done earlier, but he kept sort of dancing now, which is his new sports entertainment thing. I don't thing. quite understand where that's come <clears throat> from. I don't quite know where he's picked that up from. I'll just blame Jericho. It's far easier. <laughs> but, well, this is true, I suppose. Yeah. But ultimately, the finishing sequence where it was like lots of different submissions by Garcia and Orange kept getting out and then eventually got a really wacky sort of Lucha-style pin on him. Yep. I, I loved that match. And this entire Orange Cassidy title reign is so good. I do like the way he's kind of like uh, he carry like when you used to play computer games when you were younger mm. and you used to carry the damage you had over into your next fight. Yeah, he's he's carrying that really well, and I understand that like he is probably knackered. I mean, he's he's wrestling once or twice a week defending the title. He's had what twenty one title defenses now, twenty one, twenty two, yeah. something like that. And I mean, they're not just short five minute matches and he wins. They're they're, they're like four or five star matches and I mean the one with Garcia was fantastic mm. and Garcia again I'm sure he's about 22, 23 mm. is another one that like if they keep him on the straight and narrow he's going to be the man for the next 20 years as well mm. I mean you can see him once this is over with Jericho like going out on his own or mm. sort of doing his own thing but at Orange Cassidy I mean he's a fantastic wrestler and if you'd ever watched him before, previous to AEW when he was in Shakara as Orange Cassidy and as Fire Ant. Back when he used to have long hair, like going Indeed. really far back. Yeah. I mean, he used to put on some stellar matches then. So this run is amazing. Hmm. And and the way he can win the matches with different things and not every one of his matches are the same. Hmm. It's really interesting and like it's fun to watch, to be fair. Definitely. Uh, the Dynamite opened up with Claudio against Ray Phoenix in a double jeopardy match relating to ROH titles where the winner would get a shot at the other guy's championship. So Claudio and a partner will be challenging the Lucha Bros for the ROH tag titles. The match was damn good fun. With yeah, Claudio. no, no. I mean, any the guys they seem to be bringing in like... Phoenix and Penta have been there since the beginning, yeah, and they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, you, they don't have they don't seem to have a bad match. Mm. And anyone they seem to go against, whether it be someone like Strong Style or Cruiserweight, they see always seem to adapt to their element and have a fantastic match. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who Claudio picks. I was rather hoping. It might be Moxley, because I think that would be really interesting. 
but we'll see. There will be blood if Penta oh, and Moxley are definitely, involved. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, because they were teasing it was probably going to be Utah because they had like the little backstage thing of him looking at the camera or looking at the TV rather than going, yeah, yeah, I'm game for this. And part of me wonders if they're going to do a little, Wheeler, you'll get your time, but we want the tag titles. Yes, yes. But at the same time, I mean, Claudio and Utah have been teaming up on Dark and Dark Elevation, which have now finished. Yep. Um, not AEW. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can see those two tagging. But I don't know. I, I don't think they need to put the world title and the tag titles on Claudio. Mm. I mean, I don't think he needs the, the world title full stop. He's enough of an attraction on his own yeah. without having a belt. But that, again, is... Not what we're talking about. Hmm. I mean, speaking of belts, there was also a trios title match where it was the first sort of house rules or whatever the exact phrase was sort of ruling, which is disqualifications enforced. uh, There's a 20 count on the floor. There was something, there's another one that the House of Black enforced, which I forgot. And then like another rule which the other team could pick. So there's no spooky witches. Yeah, that was the one. Which it was weird because when they did the promo last week and it was kind of explaining the rule set, the only part I didn't fully understand was the fact that it would be a sort of four rules total because I thought it was going to be. They named, say, like the the, the DQs enforced, the 20 count, the other one I can't remember. The DQs is not enforced. The other team gets to pick whether it's enforced or not. That's the thing. I, from the way that Julia Hart said it in the promo, I thought it was the final rule is you can pick which one of these three no. is enforced. That's what I, that's what I thought it was going to be. But no, it's actually there is a fourth rule, and I like the fact they just use the, the, the use Trent and Cass, um, not Cassie, sorry, Chuck to just highlight. Yeah, there was clearly some confusion over that. We're also confused, and we're wrestlers. Yeah, <laughs> so it was a nice. Little I think fun... that was a perfect way to start that off, though, mm. with those three. I mean. Bandido is a solid wrestler and amazing. Chuck and Trent, regardless of all the humour and stuff, are fantastic wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And if you and even if you've never seen them live, those two are fantastic live. Like mm-hmm. they really get the crowd into it. And I mean, I went to Chicago in 2015 for trios, and I mean Chuck Taylor is amazing. He is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. Very versatile. And he can have a match with a broom and it'd be more entertaining than a lot of stuff you see elsewhere in the wrestling world. Mm. And of course, now that seemingly Bandido's been brought into the best friends, like for the best amigos, which, you know what? I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, I think that's a good way to get Bandido into the fold. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a fantastic wrestler. He's just come back from a tour of Australia, actually. Mm. And uh, he, he was well received over there. Mm. And uh, he, he's just fantastic. And that match he had with Jericho just before Christmas just gone was. Was that really Christmas? Just before Christmas. Flipping heck. He's really hasn't gone for ages, hasn't he? He has. Well, he had visa issues, didn't he? Was that what it was? Yeah, I hadn't that's picked why up Pen- on that. Penta and Phoenix had disappeared as well. I hadn't picked up on that. And obviously, like, Vikingo's been brought in recently as well. And so, Roosh. So for, and Roosh, Roosh is amazing <laughs> as well. And like that match and he had. Commander's just been signed. Yeah. And that match with Moxley that Roosh had a while back, I think when Moxley was champion. I think it was. There was just there was a match. Where, was it Danielson? It was one or the other, but there was a freaking amazing... Just... I think you'll find... Sorry. That, this, <laughs> that was Dragon and Roosh when Dragon was trying to get the Iron Man match at Revolution. Yes, that because it was a recent one. Yeah, that match was it so was, good. Yeah, Roosh is so good. Yeah. He is. So, so elsewhere on Dynamite, 
in terms of as far as things go for like the outcasts and the women stuff, that's building up to a six woman tag next week. So not much else in the way of development on that this week. Though Julia Hart and Anna Jay had a no holds barred match, which if Anna Jay's hip is not injured after her taking the gory bomb on those chairs on the outside, I'm not sure if you if you caught that bit, but she basically I see that actually. Yeah, it, it looked brutal, but fair play. And also, just Julia Hart as like a presence now and almost like as a character and persona. I really like it. I think it, if you look back at Julia Hart coming into AEW, everyone thought, "Oh, she's a cheerleader. We'll give her a run, and then." We'll boot her out, or she can be someone's boyfriend or something. Mm. But over the last year, and definitely since she's joined um, the House of Black, she's definitely come into her own. And I think that what she's doing now is much more suited than her being a cheerleader. Yeah. She definitely plays the role better. And in my opinion, like she's outdone herself. Yeah. And I could see her being like in the next level of the women's division. Mm because she was on dark and elevation which is no offense to them there's some fantastic matches on there if you get the time to watch them but she was having just like 3 minute squash matches and losing and now she has really decent matches mm. and comes across as an absolute well I think a star so i mean her promos are really good yeah so it's a really really great and bear present. in mind again sorry to talk about age but I think she is only 21 or 22. She's really young, yeah. Yes, yes, she is. Similar to to Sky Blue in that circumstance. Yes. Hmm. So the only other thing to talk about then is the fact that FTR are going to be defending the tag titles against Jarrett and Jay Lethal at the pay-per-view. And they set this up with Mark Briscoe being the referee. And in in what was actually a pretty fun segment, the way they did it, because FTR are in the ring, they called out, well, Mark Briscoe, because they wanted to kind of clearly air apologised him I think it was but then Jarrett and Lethal came out who at this point are just as characters I love them I don't really want to see them as a team wrestle much but as a presence I think they just add a bit of fun to the show with Jeff Jarrett this is a little story about Jeff Jarrett oh okay Uh, I met Jeff Jarrett in 2021 when I went to Wrestlecade in uh, Winston-Salem in North Carolina and by me I don't mean just at the table we was crossing the road together <laughs> and we started talking. He wanted to know where I was from and he we was talking about like country music because he's into that mm. as well. And it's just interesting how much like he is much better now than he has been at ev- any point in his career, I think. Mm. And like I met him briefly once, probably about 15 years ago when he came over for 1BW. Cool, that was and what, he, circa he, 2005 six, or six. Yep. And he come across as a bit, I don't know. I, I, I think there was more than fresh air and water in play. Because at that point, not to cut you off too much, but at that point he was NWA champion. And I think the main event of that show was him and AJ Styles. And there were chance of like drop the title. And he was yeah. like playing her along I, with the I crowd. Think, and like, again, I think there was more in play than just air and water. And I yeah. think there was other things going on. Mm. But this time when I spoke to him, we spoke for about 15, 20 minutes. Oh, amazing. And... And he just came across as a really nice guy, really personable, and like I'm really pleased that now he's in AEW, he seems to be coming. He seems to be having fun. Yeah, that's what comes across on to me. And I, I don't know. I, I'm enjoying this Jeff Jarrett run more than anything else he's done in his career because I think there's a load been taken off of him because he's not running AEW. Mm-hmm. He's just doing some of the international stuff when they sort of come here, for instance. Yeah. 
And uh, so I th- I'm really enjoying Jeff Jarrett. But, but, I, but I think there's other teams that would have been a better fit. That's yeah, my opinion. In, in terms of, let's call it like it is, in terms of the calibre of match that FTR could have a match against, you could pick so many other teams from the roster. And I feel Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett have just had the tag title shot. I mean, I know it was a four-way... Yeah. But like three, no, it was a four way. There was a the, the sort of the dusty finish they did as well with um, the acclaimed when like they'd won the belts like a minute oh, or two, yes, and yes, then yes. which that was a really good match. But I do agree with you. Like it, Jeff Jarrett just comes across like he's having fun, yeah. And that played into this as well because like Dax was talking to them. I think he called Jarrett a carny asshole, which apparently on US TV got bleeped out because we watch it on Fight TV, it and. Did. And uh, apparently after the fact, Americans figured out what he said because you could hear Jarrett in the background going, who's the carny asshole now? Because someone texted me during while I was watching it to ask me. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so they called Jarrett and Lethal out, Sutton and Sanjay are out there. Then Mark comes out separately and he starts going, hey, look, look, we've got to clear the air here. We need to just all get along. And he brought some whiskey out. Brought some whiskey and was pouring it out. And inevitably, Sanjay just takes a giant swig from the bottle, whatever it was, and just spits it in Dax's face. A bit of a, a brawl breaks out. But it culminates with, it was either Jarrett or Lethal, it may have even been Sanjay, shoving Mark, shoving Mark, in, in inverted commas, into Dax, who was still blinded by said liquid, and then did a really decent-looking, brutal pile driver on Mark. And at that point, everyone just stopped, and the crowd started chanting, you effed up, and whatnot. And I think that, again, that Detroit crowd was on fire yeah. to even suggest that. And, like, I, I don't know, that Detroit crowd was amazing. That's all mm. I'm saying on it. Yeah. So that match has now been confirmed for the pay-per-view. Mark Briscoe is going to be the special referee, so he will have to choose a side, as it were, now, perhaps. Hopefully not. No, but I, down the middle. I will say, I wasn't a fan when they first brought Mark Briscoe into, into Lethal and Jarrett's group the way they did, kind of manipulating the old friendship after Jay's passing. But I think the dynamic and that segment they had a week or so ago when they went to the Briscoes Sat Ranch. And seeing like them overall. Just, oh, oh, just it was just a really fun segment. So I, I am willing to see where this is gonna go because I think this could be a fun match. Be, I think what, it will won't be. Won't be utterly stellar, but I think on the card it'll be almost like a nice palate cleanser. I don't know. I mean, all four guys are great wrestlers. Hmm. But at the same time, I feel that they could have gone in a different direction with the opponents for FTR mm. and and used a team that we don't haven't seen for a while or just build some different teams because Lethal and Jarrett have sort of been put together. Mm. Whereas you've got teams like Butcher and Blade, yeah. who I think, I mean, stellar work. Any match they have is amazing. Mm. Really enjoy them. And there's just so many other teams. Like, they, they should have done a Guns rematch. I think that's happening on a house show, I think they've announced. It was last night, in fact. Oh, was it? <laughs> At the time uh, we're recording. Uh, but also, I, I don't know, there's just... I think Best Friends could have had a... Could do with a pay-per-view t- title shot. House of Black, in theory, could get a shot if they wanted to. But I think they're going to defend the trio's title. Yeah, agreed. I mean, what other teams I, are there? Just to... Oh, go on. I hope. Yeah, I, I hope so as well. And Okay, actually, you know, we didn't actually finish the thought on that, but circling back to House of Black for a second and that trio's match... What did you think of like the visual presentation of it? Like the darkened arena, 
and there not being much in the way of lighting. What did you I think? I thought of it was it? very 80s wrestling. Yeah. If, if you've ever watched 80s wrestling from like Memphis, it's very similar. Mm. Or California. Or the Cow Palace. I mean, if you go back and like find uh, video from that era, that's very what it used to be. I yeah. mean, like when they used to sell out Mid South, uh, they used to have twelve thousand people in there, mm. and all you could see was first three rows. But there was there was you know twelve thousand people, ten thousand people. Mm. Back when wrestling was affordable, <laughs> and it was five dollars to hear in for front row. Fair point, because. Th- I liked the idea of it, like it being almost like the House of Black's match. It's their domain. I like that as an establishing thing. Who else did that? There was somebody else that did something similar along these lines a long time ago. I mean, in ECW, New Jack's music used to play the whole time. Are we talking like WWE or I can't AEW, remember. But... There could have been WCW, to be fair. Or it was Raven's Rules. There you go. That was, that was one thing. Um... I mean, which was basically a hardcore match. But at the same time... You knew that you were going to eat something special if Raven was announced for the card. And now House of Black, mm. if they're going to have a match, you know it's going to be these funky rules as long as there's no witches. Because <laughs> that was the best line ever. Yeah, when Trent just went, no spooky witches are ringside. <laughs> just Even though she'd so had a match previously. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. That's probably why they did that. But, um... But yeah, the other thought I was going to say was I liked the whole concept of how it looked. I think it needs to be refined a bit more because when the action went to the outside, even on camera, you couldn't actually see that well. No, so I think no, they no. maybe need a little bit more lighting around just the, the actual ring area. Yes. Perhaps. That's probably yeah. the only thing aesthetically but I would is, say. But at the same time, is that because you're in the darkness and they're the house of black? Yeah. And I think I agree, but I think from... I'm thinking purely from like a television production point of view, mainly, and like a viewer perception. Because yeah. if you're in the arena, heck knows what the heck you saw, quite frankly. <laughs> but... Well, funnily enough, and this is quite interesting, I went to, again, we've mentioned this but two or three times, I went to the Dynamite in, at the Cow Palace, mm-hmm. and like on TV, you don't see the people come out, but I was sat to the side of the stage... And you can see them come out clear as day. So mm. if they're in the arena and that and, and the stuff happened on the outside, mm. they can probably see it clear as day. I mean, okay, that's fine. Um, so inside baseball for you. There you go. I guess the only other two things to note is there were a couple of returns on AEW this week. Thunder Rosa made an appearance backstage going to Tony Khan's office, but also Miro. Now, interestingly, Thunder Rosa is always there. She's she does commentary. Doing Spanish language commentary. But Miro, that is the first time I think he's been there in some time. Mm. And I love the guy. And especially when he made his debut as Kip Sabian's best man. Because <laughs> that was just amazing for me. But, like, uh, he's a fantastic talent. How he has not been on TV. But, again, there is reasons for that, I'm sure. Stuff, as it were. Mm. But yeah, so they're both going to be back in the fold And then Tony Khan also teased There will be an announcement this coming week Alluding to the fact that it's going to be Some big news, there's a lot of people Wanting to get a piece of the action And they perhaps need to make more content And that there will be a follow-up To AEW, one of AEW's Biggest announcements ever, I think he phrased it as Which, we're going to talk about that In a different video very briefly Because we've sort of done Dynamite here We've gone a bit of a while now, but I've had good fun but final thoughts or there anything else? An epic collision this week between Roderick Strong and Chris Jericho. That was the other. Now thing. that is one match that will be amazing. Yeah, that got set up in a backstage segment where Jericho said, "Now, following Adam Cole attacking him, 
this place is an unsafe working environment, which the live crowd actually laughed at, which I did, because it's like, what are you talking about? Because he's done this in WCW about 20 years ago. Yeah, and then Roderick came in and said, hey, let's have a match. Let's have like a full count anywhere match. Roderick Strong is the man. And then Jericho went, sure, but I've got legal counsel and whatnot. So I'm going to, well, I've got legal counsel. Adam Cole's barred from the building as long as I'm in here. So I'm going to have all the JAS with me. And then Roderick went, I thought you were going to do something like that. So I got legal counsel. And for this match, the JAS are barred from the building. That is amazing. I am looking forward to seeing how many backbreakers Roderick Strong tries to hit on Jericho. It's a match I've always wanted to see. Really? Roderick Strong is one of my all-time favourites. Oh, he's so good. And, like, even when he used to come over and do English independence, if he was in the country, I used to be there, and I actually slept at Nottingham train station once (laughs) because the train, I missed the train, but I still managed to catch the show. Mm. So, hang tight. There we go. I'll probably be epic next week about that. There you go. So, folks, that was Dynamite. Let us know what you thought about the show. Do you agree with anything that we've said? Do you think we've missed the ball on anything? Let us know in the comments below. And whether you're listening on audio or you're watching on video, thank you very much. Thank you very much for checking out Bunkomania Wrestling. If I can get my words out, that'd be helpful. So, from myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Tom Limbry, we'll be back very soon with another video. Stay tuned. Thank you for watching.